What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's show, we're talking about an NBA prospect I know well. That's right, C.J. Ellaby, who the Blazers took with the 46th pick in the draft. I have now watched one YouTube video totaling 10 minutes and 2 seconds, and I am an expert on the Blazers' second-round pick. Okay, you caught me. I'd never heard of this gentleman until about 35 minutes ago when the pick got tweeted out by Adrian Wojnarowski. But I have learned some stuff since then. I want to share what I know, share what I think, give you thoughts on the Blazers' uh, newest edition, some thoughts on the Blazers' draft history in this spot, and just in general, the, the, some thoughts on the draft itself. That's what we're going to do in the show. We're going to talk all things NBA draft. So let's, let's get to the nitty-gritty. I've not only watched the YouTube video, I've done some reading. C.J. Ellaby is a 6'6 wing. He spent two seasons at Washington State in which he was pretty darn productive, if you ask me, as a freshman when he earned all Pac-12 freshman honors. He averaged 14.7 points, five and a half, excuse me, 7.1 rebounds, three assists, shot 43.6% from the floor and 41.4% from three and 66% from the free throw line. He came back for his sophomore year in which he averaged 18.4 points per game to go along with 7.8 rebounds, 1.9 assists, 1.8 steals, 0.8 blocks. He shot 39.6% from the floor. Not great. 33.9% from three. A huge drop-off from his uh, freshman year. I think uh, he started to get treated like a shooter, like a productive player. 82% from the free throw line. Made a big jump there. He was taking six, 6.8 threes per game. Like He was, he was getting them up. And he was an all-Pac-12 an all performer, as uh, first-team all-Pac-12 as a sophomore. He was fourth in the conference in scoring. He was seventh in the in the Pac-12 in rebounds, second in the Pac-12 in assists. He was, he was basically a global pandemic shy of breaking Clay Thompson's record for most threes made by a sophomore in the season. Clay hit 76 in 2010. Ellaby hit 74 this year, but of course the collegiate basketball season ended early due to the global pandemic. You're certainly familiar with it. Dude was really productive, though. I mean, this is 18 and 8. With two assists is a really productive uh, collegiate season, no matter how you slice it. I know that his he was more efficient in uh, in year one for sure, but in year two he was a known quantity, and from what I understand, that impacted his shooting a little bit. He got he just got more defensive attention. For what it's worth, his uh, advanced numbers, things like offensive rating, defensive rating, which are team stats, not really individual stats, but his win shares, his offensive box score plus minus, defensive box score plus minus. You know, just the sort of the quick advanced things you could look at all got better as a sophomore. He was just a he was just a better basketball player in year two, and he decided to come out early. He was by most of the big boards I saw. He was either not on people's list or he was he he was like a, a, a top hundred guy. So um, not typically in the top sixty. Not um, typically on just sort of most mock drafts for sort of the uh, your your typical mock draft for folks. So if you've, if you've listened to this podcast in the past, you know that I am not someone who watches college basketball. I watch uh, Carolina basketball. It's a Chapel Hill native. If the Blazers had drafted Cole Anthony, I would easy money could have given you 30 minutes on Cole Anthony. 
Instead, he's playing for the Orlando Magic. Congrats to Cole. Uh, just as an aside, Carolina guy went 20 full picks before the first Duke player was selected. So I'm going to chalk that up for the old Tar Heels. I digress, though. Like I said, I don't watch college basketball. I've never seen CJ LB play. I have watched one YouTube video. It's titled CJ LB Washington State Cougars 2019-2020 Highlight Montage. I have never seen CJ LB miss any shots. It's 10 minutes and 2 seconds. I told you all at the beginning of this process that uh, I watched all 10 minutes and 2 seconds. But that's probably a lie. I probably watched like 6.5 minutes. I got the gist of it. He makes jumpers. Got a nice little jab step. He's left-handed. He's got big hair. Look, in the 30 minutes from when this pick was made to when I was going to record this podcast, I wasn't going to learn enough about uh, this, any, basically any prospect they took that was going to give you guys a really valuable insight. I'll leave that to the people that know. Sam Vecini of The Athletic has a massive big board. It is a huge, 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 uh, several hundred page PDF that has the, his top 100 players and breakdowns on all of them. And he has uh, his take on... Ellaby is that despite the crappy shooting percentages as a sophomore that he's got great shot mechanics and he just he just looks like a shooter. This isn't from Sam Vecini, but in a uh, another scouting report I read from PD Webb basically says that Ellaby projects as a playmaker on both ends, both on on defense, he'll get in passing lanes, make steals, he can make, get some deflections, has, has some sort of moments on there where he makes plays on defense, and he has more, for a guy who is a shooter, probably first and foremost, a shooter has some playmaking potential. So I think those are those are valuable. He, you know, he's not going to have the ball in his hands a ton, um, but uh, someone who is, has some sort of natural playmaking skills is always valuable to have on the wing. Uh, also from Vicini, I think that um, the main sort of issue for Ellaby at the next level is that he's not a great athlete. You know, he's six six and he can shoot, so he has he has you know a physical profile that can play at the next level. But he's not a, he's not a ready day one NBA athlete. He doesn't have blow by speed, so that'll leave him with some obvious question marks on the defensive end. And he's also there's some question marks about how he finishes in the paint. Like he's a really good shooter, but can he can he finish around the rim? And I think um, that's going to be the real question for him. I I like the idea of a guy with. Um, defensive playmaking ability who can pass a little bit and can really shoot that sounds like a guy who could develop into a high level role player but like I said I'm relying on people that have done the scouting people who know who know college basketball prospects better than me and you know who's someone who knows better college basketball prospects better than me Neil Olshay what I want to talk about in the second segment is Neil's draft history dude has done this before and I think he has a track record that just says if he takes a guy in the middle of the second round, we got to trust him. And look, I know that Neil Olshay doesn't always get a great rap in Rip City. I know that he's some some of the people like to hate on and actively critique. And that's fair. That's the job, right? He's he's the lead decision maker. So when the decisions don't work out, you got to critique him. I'm not not defending Neil. In fact, I think he does some dumb stuff sometimes, like um, hype up his prospects too much. So if he says, if he comes out with some quotes about C.J. Ellaby here in the next 24 hours, maybe we'll take those with a grain of salt. But I do think he has a, a track record that says that we should give him at least believe that he might have the right type of guy. And that's what I want to talk about in the second segment is why we should give Neil and CJ Ellaby the benefit of the doubt. But before we do that, I want to tell you all about Built Go. From the good people that make Built Bar, there's Built Go, the best workout gel on the market. 
It's what you need to break through your wall. That's your physical wall, your mental wall, whatever it is. Grab Built Go, which comes in these little 1.5 ounce packages that fit in your bag or your back pocket and go. It's like five hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus it's natural, so it's better for your body. Comes with three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, mint, or chocolate coconut. You might be asking, how does this work so well? How does the best workout gel on the market work? Well, here's, here's, what, here's what it does. It combines workout gel with collagen protein. And collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets in your system right away, and it's easy on your stomach. Plus, Built Go is loaded with good stuff like beta alanine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine. It's about it's a little less than a typical cup of coffee, like 100 milligrams of caffeine. That's the type of stuff that will ignite your work, help you break through that wall. And then Built Go will kick in with stuff to keep you going. B6, 10,000% of your daily percentage of B12. Built Go works. You should check it out. And to do that, just go to BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's a promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. All right. So we talked about C.J. Ellaby, a player who I have heavily, heavily scouted over the last now about 40 minutes by reading scouting reports of NBA draft folks I trust and watching a quick YouTube video so I could get a feel for what he is. He's a lefty shooter who can score. But what I want to sell you on now is why you should be hopeful that C.J. Ellaby is more than just a you know, future two-way guy who wallows on the end of a bench. Neil Olshay has been pretty good in the second round. He's he's good at this. He has mostly done very well at getting second rounders. Let's not turn the clock all the way back to Joel Freeland. I'm not going to try to sell you on Joel Freeland, but, but since 2013, let me just le- read you the names of second round picks that Neil Olshay has landed the Blazers. Now, all these aren't technically draft picks. Like, Gary Trent Jr. isn't technically a draft pick because the Blazers traded two second-round picks for the rights to Gary Trent Jr., but that doesn't that distinction means nothing to me. He's the player the Blazers acquired on draft night. So these are players that maybe they weren't technically Blazers picks, but they're the person they came away with on draft night. In 2013, Neil Olshay drafted Will Barton. Will Barton is a good NBA player. In 2014, in the second round, Neil Olshay landed Alan Crabb. Alan Crabb, overpaid, but, uh, you know, that's the dream. Useful rotational shooter. 2015, he didn't have a second round pick. 2016, part of a a trade, but came away with second rounder Pat Connaughton. Pat Connaughton, NBA player. 2017, it was Jake Lehman. Jake Lehman, acquired by the... T-Wolves, previous brass of the T-Wolves, so who knows what his future is there, but NBA player, right? Like, he's an NBA talent, someone who belongs in the league. In 2018, the Blazers didn't have a second-round pick. And in 2019, they drafted Gary Trent Jr., your favorite basketball player. So, there aren't any stinkers in there. I'm not even, there isn't even a caveat that says, like, okay, yeah, but he's not good. Like, maybe you could make the case that Alan Grab isn't good, but... He made a ton of money in the league. Another franchise is willing to give him $75 million. Like this is, um, it wasn't, you know, it was it ended up being Neil and Paul Allen, but it was, uh, you know, he was a coveted sort of asset coming off of his rookie contract. 
Will Barton is just a really good two-way wing. Uh, Pat Connaughton was a useful part in the best team in the NBA. Jake Lehman heard all of last year, kind of a, um, he's the one who maybe you'd have the toughest time talking me into him, but I, I think at his size and his ability, an NBA player. Gary Trent Jr. is like the Blazers' most promising young prospect, more promising than their recent first-round picks. And that list does not include any duds. So what I, I'm not saying that C.J. Ellaby is guaranteed to be a good basketball player. That's um, not what I'm after. But I'm just saying that all of these guys sort of fit a, um, a, a prototype. They're from, they're from big schools. You know, Will Barton from Memphis. Alan Crabb is from Cal. Pat, Pat Conton went to Notre Dame. Jake Lehman at Maryland and Gary Trent Jr. at Duke. These are guys who played in, you know, major conference basketball and were very productive at the, at the collegiate level. Gary Trent Jr. probably the least productive of them, but still he was a productive member of, of a good Duke team. C.J. Ellaby fits that mold. He's a productive player who played major conference basketball in the Pac-12. This is sort of who Neil targets with his second-round picks. I've kind of teased this, that Neil has a type in the first round, which are... Um, you know, teenagers who didn't, who have shown very little but promised to be something more. You know, Zach Collins and Zero Little who didn't start in their collegiate teams. Anthony Simons who didn't play college basketball. But in the second round, he's he's hasn't he hasn't gone with sure things because that's not what the second round is. But he has gone with guys who've shown production against high level competition, and C.J. Ellaby fits that role. I have no idea if this dude is a good basketball player. I know that a lot of people didn't put him in their mock drafts and didn't think he would get drafted. A story I read in the Spokesman Review, which is the paper out there in Spokane, uh, was talking about Elby's fearlessness and that that was his best quality uh, heading into the NBA draft, is that he was fearless in accepting whatever role the coach needed him. He probably projects as maybe like a two at the next level, even though he might play a little bit of three, but at Washington State he played a lot of power forward. But what Kyle Smith, the Washington State coach, said that he thought would be the sort of biggest boost to Ellaby's chances in the league is that he he had a, a real belief in himself. He coached uh, Patty Mills briefly in college, and he said that Patty Mills had that same sort of belief in himself, the fearlessness, and that sort of that confidence or that demeanor is kind of what it takes to get to the next level. And just sort of beyond the soft stuff that a coach is going to say in a story in the local newspaper, C.J. Ellaby got buckets in college. He had eight games where he scored at least 25 points. That's a high level of production, even if it's sort of low efficiency on, on this Washington State team. A team, by the way, known for being super analytically savvy. Kyle Smith noted as one of the, uh, the true nerd coaches in the league. Shout out to the analytics movement. But I like the uh, the lead quote, sort of the lead framing of the of this story from the Spokesman Review is that in C.J. Ellaby's final game, they're playing at uh, in Las Vegas for the Pac-12 tournament, and C.J. Ellaby scores 30 points, 10 boards, five assists, as the 11th seeded Washington Coug- Washington State Cougars knock off Colorado. And Kyle Smith said to himself after seeing that performance, Welp, he's gone. And he was right. C.J. Ellaby was gone, and now he plays, or is headed to play for the Blazers, who have a history of being pretty good picking guys in the second round, picking guys that fit the Ellaby mold in the second round. I have no idea if this pick sticks, but I know that Neil Olshay hasn't 
struck out real bad with second-round picks. He's turned a bunch of sort of low-risk gambles into NBA players that stick. Now, not a lot of them stick with the Blazers, but he has a track record of finding NBA players. Bargain hunting. Maybe the Blazers just nailed their latest bargain in C.J. Ellaby. What I want to talk about to close the show is just some thoughts on the draft itself. I'm not going to give you winners and losers. You can find that somewhere else. But I have some takes on how the draft went down. So that's what I'll close the show with. Stick with me. Still a pass for his point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listen to Locked On Blazers. Still talking about the NBA draft. The Blazers took C.J. Ellaby with the 46th pick in the 2020 NBA draft announced at ESPN Studios by Mark Tatum. Also, C.J. Ellaby is a Charles James. Blazers added another C.J. Christian James. Meet Charles James. Welcome to the league, young fella. So I want to close the show just with my thoughts on the NBA draft. I gave you um, my quick my quick and dirty scouting report on C.J. Ellaby, a lefty shooter with big hair. Talked about the Blazers' track record picking second-round picks. Neil's good at it. Just give him the benefit of the doubt for now. Let him let C.J. Ellaby be the one that proves him wrong, and then we revisit this next year. I'll say, well, he did screw that one up. But for now, he, just, he hasn't missed with these. He's just been very good with second-round picks. So just you got to let him have it. But my thoughts on the NBA draft at large, well, I was really curious when it got to 16, that draft pick then belonged, by the time it got to the Blazers pick, what would have been their first round pick at 16, it, it that pick had changed hand a couple times, it belonged to the Detroit Pistons, who made a million trades and acquired, from what I understand, something like four four rookies, three or four rookies, three first rounders, and then a second rounder, Detroit all over the 2020 draft, fingerprints all over it. Uh, with their new front office. But I was really curious sort of who would be on the board. I had done all those exercises sort of preparing um, thoughts on prospects for who would be in the 16 range. And a lot of the dudes that I liked were still on the board. Uh, Sadiq Bey, who remember was my sort of um, target for the Blazers. He was still on the board. He ended up going 19th. Josh Green, a guy who I had pegged as maybe a Blazers target, uh, freshman one-and-done guy out of Arizona. He was still on the board, went 18th to the Mavericks. Precious Achua went 20th to the Heat. He was still on the board. R.J. Hampton, a name who would, had been linked to the Blazers uh, at least a little bit, he dropped uh, fairly far, went 24th and was traded to the Nuggets. Um, I got The Nuggets are so good at drafting prospects that I'm sure, I'm now sh- certain R.J. Hampton is good. And that's um, one thought I have sort of at large about the draft is that we do we do these sort of mock drafts and I and and for me I, I'm not a big college basketball guy so I kind of learn about the draft in the month leading up to it is kind of how I do it but I I feel like I make more decisions about the prospect based on who takes them so I kind of think that Isaac Okoro who everyone thought was really good now he's a calf I'm like mm, he might not be that good uh Obi Toppin, who I was like, yeah, he's a really he's a really good athlete. He could be useful. Now he's a Nick. I'm a little I'm I'm a little shaky on this. Devin Vassell, who who people were really high on, he gets drafted by the Spurs. Now I'm like, dude, he must be really good, huh? Same with like anyone who the Heat draft. I'm like, oh nope, My, Miami. Yeah, they, he's that's probably a great pick. Good job. Like I wasn't sold on Precious Achua, but now that he plays for the Heat or was drafted by the Heat, I'm like, oh yeah, he's like I I'm a believer. 
I think like situation matters so much in the NBA, uh, which might be speak to sort of the whole point of my second segment is that it might not be just that Neil Olshay is good at drafting second rounders. He might be specifically good at getting guys who can be molded by the Blazers uh, developmental group, by the Blazers assistant coaching and developmental just team. Like the Blazers might be good at developing second round picks as much as Neil is at identifying second round picks. I think is I think is maybe a good way to say that because I think I just think fit matters so 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 much. I don't really have hot takes about the top of the draft. I have no idea if Anthony Edwards is good. I have no idea if James Wiseman is good. I have no idea if Lamella Ball is good. But it is pretty cool that Lavar Ball, who seems like a, just an absolute um, goon, like just a, a super goof. <laughs> had two kids go in the top three picks in the NBA draft. That is really something. That is quite a family. Man called a shot and basically pulled it off exactly. My other big takeaway from the NBA draft beyond uh, LeVar Ball, maybe LeVar Ball was right all along. Um, hope he gets to play MJ one-on-one. But my other big take about the NBA draft is that uh, for the second straight year, there was a very emotional. Last year in the draft, there was a lot of uh, guys on stage tearing up and um i think it is cool as hell to see young men show emotion in these big emotional moments and i think also that uh being at home with family made that even um even it made it even easier for sort of that emotion to come out because guys were in sort of spaces where they feel safe around their you know their caretakers mom dad grandmas grandpas you know, just like larger sort of family gathering, the people that are important in their lives. Um, And a lot of dudes, you know, crying while their mom and dad cry next to them, crying while their uh, siblings cry next to them. Those are really special moments. I didn't really love the sort of virtual draft. I thought um, just the sort of technology made it hard. Malik Andrews did a great job trying to interview these guys, but it's it's on video conference and delayed. It's just you don't, it's hard to get good interviews, but I thought the emotion showed by a bunch of draft picks, um, particularly on Onyeka Kongwu, who I thought was really good. Obi Toppin was really emotional. I thought that was, um, I thought both those guys were both emotional and sort of um, thoughtful and composed in the interviews. I really liked, or I was maybe touched. I was moved by both of their, uh, both of their draft interviews. But in general, um, I just, much like the rest of my life, I'm ready for video conferencing to be done. Uh, it's, Life would be better if we could do it in person. Let's all work together so we can get that in get to that place, okay? And my final take of the draft is that ESPN needs to tell the league that its viewership is smarter than they're giving them credit for. And by that, I mean that a lot of people are watching the NBA draft and um, are following it along on social media and they're knowing three, four picks ahead, thanks to ESPN's lead reporter, Adrian Wojnarowski and um, Shams Tarania of, of The Athletic and a few other people. But uh, the the broadcast needs to catch up with live reporting and do both at the same time. There is a way to say, hey, this is unofficial, but we are hearing this. Our best reporter, our sort of star guy is reporting this. Let's go in real time. We're, we're, you know, we've projected three and four picks ahead, but still do the interviews, do the little canned stories you have of guys, still do the little player profiles as the picks come up and report in real time. And that allows the people who are analysts in the studio, Jay Williams, Jay Billis, Mike Schmitz, to do analysis in real time of, of reality. Having uh, 
Jay Williams talk about what he would do if he were on the clock and uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, his his colleague who's just on the other side of the studio working his cell phone, has already reported what the team is going to do. It's just insulting to the viewer. People who are casual fans aren't going to watch a three-hour draft, and they can figure it out if you explain it to them. So just do that, ESPN. I know you're trying to respect the league and not ruin the draft by tipping it, but if 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 Woj is going to be such a powerful reporter that he gets the news first, work it into the broadcast and and the people who are watching this are intelligent and they're NBA fans. They can figure it out. So can you do better. So yeah, I don't watch a ton of college basketball. So my takes about the draft are about crying and television production. That's the podcast you listen to. And boy, do I appreciate it. This is the beginning of a crazy week in the NBA, right? Uh, Free agency officially begins Friday around 3 p.m. at 3 p.m. West Coast time. Uh, That means that free agency began two weeks ago and that people will sign immediately. It could move very quickly. I I, I would assume that some things will happen, you know, in the first 60 seconds because it's been agreed to for a while. It's going to be a ton of player movement, lots of fun things. Blazers are probably going to fill out their roster here in the next week. I'll have it all covered here on this very space, right where you're listening to it now. Just keep checking your feed. As news comes up, we'll figure out what the future is with Rodney Hood, what the future is with the rest of the Blazers roster. Maybe we'll get to meet C.J. Ellaby, and I'll play a little sound from his introductory press conference. Looking forward to that. Hope he's got big hair when he's on the Zoom call. But if he has a haircut, I'll report that too. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already find podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.